Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ryan Dempster. A foul. Tip strike three. Nine punch outs for Dempster. Two-time MLB All-Star and a World Series champion. It's the first time we've seen something like this since Alex Rodriguez returned, and I think we can say with some certainty what the intent was after Dempster hit him on the 3-0 pitch. Most importantly, a former Chicago Cubs starter. Cubs win as Ryan Dempster gets his 100th career win, number 50 as a Cub. It's Ryan Dempster on Hit and Run. That's true. One thing I've learned is that the big voice guy doesn't lie. He's just not going to bother to lie. He'll tell you the truth, and all those things are true about Ryan Dempster, and it's true he's here on Hit and Run. What's up, man? Good morning. Morning. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for coming in. Heck yeah. I know, uh, I know it's a crazy whirlwind weekend where you've got, like, uh, baseball things and radio things and pub crawls that have been done and <laughs> and comedy festivals that you were a part of last night you just you action pack your chicago visits when they happen don't you yeah i'm like a person who lives here but a full-time tourist so i just try to get as much in as possible <laughs> yeah we had a great time uh yesterday um a benefit for the first responders um and they did a pub crawl around wrigley so i went over um saw some guys from the plain white tees uh, playing a little live gig uh, at G-Man and, and had fun. And, uh, you know, I'm a, from a family. I, my dad was a fire chief, mm. brother firefighter, other brother firefighter, uncles are firefighters. Wow. I was the black sheep of the family. I, <laughs> I just played games. Like, they, they actually did something productive with their life. So. Wow. See, that's interesting. You're, you're growing up thinking, well, I really uh, I don't do anything important. <laughs> right? Exactly. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Well, that's big of you to show up and do a pub crawl for charity. I mean, that's, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. To, to I contribute your time. I, I limited my crawling to one pub, so it was uh, it was good. And then last night we did the uh, the laugh your face off for uh, Pat Tamalasulo for the um, his charity and, oh, his, okay. and his wife's charity, and it was just a blast. Tons of great comedians. Um and they let me get up there and, and share a few stories and nice. have some fun. That's good. and uh, and that was at Park West, right? Which yeah. which I love, like the the Disco Palace. It it yeah. still feels <laughs> like still feels like um you can you can see the cocaine on the tables there from the seventies uh, disco heyday. There was know? some out there, yeah. I noticed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's bound to happen. Um, I, I want to want to start with like you as a guy and you as a teammate because as I'm looking around everywhere, I, I mean people credited you and Ross big time for what happened in Boston, especially as 2013 rolled on. And in this town, they still talk about Ross and everything that he was, everything that he brought. And so much of this off season was spent with conversations about trying to get the right personality mix, trying to get guys into the right headspace. And, and here we are eight games in. And after a whole off season of talking about urgency and we got to be there, we got to be there. The first thing that John Lester has said about that a few days in is like, you know, guys just got to relax. <laughs> we just need to relax here. So it's like there's a, there's obviously something magical that needs to happen in a clubhouse where everybody's on point 
and like trying real hard, but at the same time, calm and relaxed. Is that what certain guys like you or Ross can bring to a room? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think um, for sure. It, you have to be relaxed to play your best. That's the bottom line. Um, you have to have urgency. You know, you can't. The game on, on April 1st means just the same as it does on September 1st or September 30th. So that that's when they say urgency. They're all important. It's important to win them all. You don't want to have losing streaks. You don't want to go through tough stretches at any point in the season. Um, it kind of makes for a, a little bit more fun of a story to say you started out this way and then you finished this way. Um, so you, you do have to have, but I think as a player, that's, that's your job sometimes for me, you know, I, I was the guy that kind of handled the pitching staff. Like when I got to Boston, that was after the, all the fried chicken and beer stuff. So, you know, they got in trouble for that. And you yeah. had guys like Lackey who did not want to talk to the media. John Lester did not want to talk to media. Clay Buckholz did not want to, nobody wanted to, they were all mad and upset. So I walked into the first day with a big, huge thing of Popeye's chicken and just said, the beer's upstairs. <laughs> and that automatically diffuses the, that situation, and those guys let their guard down a little bit and realize that, hey, everybody's got a job to do. Yeah, your job is to pitch, but the media has a job to talk to you about it, and let's just let's try to keep that cohesiveness going and, and not make it this tense moment. And then, therefore, your clubhouse relaxed a little bit, and everybody's... Mm-hmm you know, at ease and then they play better. And that's the truth. You you hear it all the time, right? A team's winning the game eight to nothing. What do we do when we see the dugout? They pan in, they got 45 different handshakes. They're pouring seeds on top of each other's heads. The greatest thing in the world. Look at these guys. They're having so much fun. They're so relaxed. If you're losing eight to nothing and you're doing that, everyone's like, oh, these guys, they don't take anything seriously. Right. So it's a fine line, but it really is the truth. When you're relaxed, you're at, and then you're going to play your best. That's that's the bottom line. It's cool to be intense. I was an intense guy when I was out on the mound. Mm-hmm. But if you could balance the both, then you're going to end up in a better spot. Well, I mean, and that's true in so many things in life, right? I mean, it's true, and it, it's true if you're on stage and you're doing something, whether it's singing or trying to be funny or whatever the hell it is, you know. And it's true in, in all sorts of things. So, so did did the words of of Theo and Jed and everybody talking about urgency? You think that that worked against them, even if it's just early here and, and they can kind of right the ship. And, you know, it's it's very early. We're in like the fourth quarter of game one of the football season, essentially. But but did is it possible that that stuff worked against them? Because that's the way it has felt. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I just think lack of execution has worked against them. Um, you know, you look at the offense has done incredible stuff. They've um, that's true. It's not <clears> like the hitters are tight. They they are they are giving great at bats. They're you know even when they're making outs. You're seeing five, six pitch at bat outs instead of just you know the first pitch pop up um, or the first pitch roll over or giving away at bats. Um, some of the starting pitchers have thrown really well. Some of them bounce back. You bounce back and had a better start, a second start. There was just some struggles in the bullpen and struggles mostly to throw strikes. And that's just reality. If we look at what's gone on, that's that's been the biggest problem. And and because then now the double in the gap with runners on second and third or the bases loaded. Now it's amplified, and that's a lot of the free passes, too many free passes, and that's going to be corrected, and guys will figure out a way to make that better. And, um, you know, statistically shows that over the long haul that bodes well because it can only get better because it was a rough stretch there for a little bit. Mm. I, I guess what I'm worried about is the lack of power pitchers, and it it seems ridiculous to say, but – Power pitchers these days are guys who throw 98, 99, 100, right? It's like the velocity just keeps jumping around the league. The trend of it, the uh, 
The swing and miss has never been more prevalent again. It just keeps going up and up and up. And so far, this this pitching staff has given up a lot of contact, like a lot of hard contact. And I don't I don't know if that is if that's correctable with with the pieces that you have here. Well, yeah, it is, and I think the hard contact is a direct result from being three zero, two zero, three one, one zero, constantly being behind in the count. Mm-hmm. I was a very bad hitter, <laughs> like not a good hitter. I sure did like hitting two zero though. Because I knew a fastball was coming. Mm-hmm. Like if I got three one and I looked down, that third base coach is giving me the, you know, the green light to go ahead and swing. Like that was like the highlight of my day because I knew I had one opportunity. So that's what happens. It's not just the walks; it's behind in the count, and that that leads to hard contact. No matter who's pitching, if you're facing Max Scherzer and he's constantly one o two o, you know, behind in the count, sure. you're going to have a good offensive day against him. So. It's a ta- and sometimes just like you talked about the power stuff that yeah. allows you to get away with mistakes inside the strike zone. So when you when you don't have a ninety eight mile an hour fastball and you throw ninety four, you know, as a thumber nowadays, like oh look at that soft thrower, <laughs> yeah, somebody release him. How do we get him? You know, like, <laughs> uh-huh. but the the reality is, is, so then what you have to do, you actually have to be the opposite. You have to attack the strike zone more because you have to get ahead. You have to get. It's like a chess game. You have to put the, the odds in your favor that you can make any move. If, I, if I'm if i ahead 0-2, I can throw one of three pitches. I'm 2-0, and here, here's my number one, and guess what? It's not as good as some other guy's number one. So mm-hmm. you got to find out different ways. But being aggressive and attacking takes away a lot of that. Uh, he's Ryan Dempster, and he's co-hosting Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Sunday morning on 670 The Score. You want to call up, you can, 312-644-6767. People can text. I don't know if you have a text screen at MLB Network, um, but if you want to see a steady stream of people either complimenting you or insulting you, it's available all of the time. Perfect. Just like my Twitter feed. Yeah, well, yeah. even more constant. <laughs> I remember, dude, the first time like I, I had, uh, was doing this job, working with Dan McNeil, 2009, uh, not the first time I was doing this job, but the first time I had come back, I was trying to make a point and I looked over and I saw a text that said, hey, Spiegel, every time you open your mouth, I effing cringe. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. All right. Turn me turn back to McNeil, try to finish my point. Keep my keep my head on straight. It's like, yeah, they'll they'll come after you. So, good. So, good. I like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just go ahead. Go ahead directly for you. Um, when you were uh, when you were almost traded for Randall Delgado. Right. You're, you're, you're with the Cubs, and you're a tremendous asset uh, late in that year. 2014? Uh, 2012. 12. 2012. 2012. Um, I, was, I had been doing a talk show that day, and I was driving back on, on 88. I was driving on the highway, and I was looking at Twitter on my phone as I'm driving, which, of course, is extremely responsible. Yeah. And I saw that you'd been traded for Randall Delgado. And I felt the need to pull over and tweet to the world about my thoughts on Randall Delgado because I thought that this moment demanded my involvement. Of course. You know, because, yeah. like, and so I pulled over to tweet, and people have laughed at me for years. That's, you know, your addiction to info crack and Twitter. That's what it is. Um, but you didn't end up getting traded for Randall Delgado. Can, can you take us inside that, those, those couple of weeks, uh, a, a little bit? Because I know you were involved in levels that sometimes players are not involved in their own trade. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I knew I knew what was going on. I'm, you know, I've been around the game long enough, and and that was, you know, talking about being involved. That was something that was very transparent with uh, Theo and Jed. Was hey, listen, like we're in a, a situation here where we're gonna you're gonna be a free agent 
um, we're going a little bit different direction for a few years and we're going to probably trade you. So um, I kind of made it be known that I wanted to play in L.A. for the Dodgers. I, I'm from out west. Uh, Ted Lilly was there. He, he's talking about how great they, you know, it was there and he was enjoying playing. And I was like, oh, well, this is awesome. Let's see if we can make this happen. Uh-huh. But then you realize when you say something like that, you immediately take leverage away from your own team because then it's like, uh, well, he says he wants to come here. You know, I'm not giving you that guy. So this went on for a little while. And it was then, Alan Webster, I think, ironically enough. Wasn't yeah, it? Alan Webster and uh, and Zach Lee, another guy that was on the list that they wouldn't trade, and somehow he ended up getting traded for uh, Chris Taylor, who's now their wow. Yeah, look at all, all those connections. Center fielder, and there's Alan Webster making his Cubs debut last night. Yeah, they so finally got him. Around, around and around it goes. But uh, <laughs> no, and then and then the whole trade thing was crazy because, listen, very few times in your career. Do you get to be a free agent and go through that process? Mm-hmm. Even less do you ever get a chance to get 10 five rights. 10 years in the big leagues consecutively, five with the same team. Very, very few guys ever get that. It's like really the most leverage you'll ever have. It's like a full no trade without negotiating in your contract. It's, it's a pretty cool honor to have. And so now I have this ability to use this. I go golfing in Pittsburgh early in the morning, like 6 a.m. tea time at Oakmont go play a nice round of golf, come back to the hotel, and I get this phone call, and it said, hey, you know, we got a deal with Atlanta. You know, would you go to Atlanta? And I said, I just came back from golf. I'm exhausted. Can I just think about this? You know, like, I like Atlanta. I've always respected the Braves and the way they play, and they sure. had a good team, and I knew the manager, and I'm like, let me think about it. You know, I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I go to sleep, and I wake up. I got, like, 60 messages. I've been traded <laughs> to the Braves. <laughs> I'm like, who leaked this? So I called Theo. I go, did you say something? He goes, no, dude, I'm super mad. I don't know how this got out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. You know, and then, but the truth, <laughs> the truth was uh, somebody down in Atlanta felt like it was a done deal and they wanted to tell some people and then uh, that got out. Because they wanted me to pull over on the highway and tweet about they it. They were like, yes, 100%. We, yeah. need, we need some more stuff out there in the Twitterverse. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's it's interesting because now I'm in this predicament where we're getting a package that we consider a good package. Um, and I, I really have lost my rights now. Now I'm getting bullied into, I should take this deal and all this stuff. And I was like, Whoa, let me like think about this. Hmm. So the more I thought about it, then all of a sudden that deal went away. And then, then came the steamroll of the actual day of the train deadline, which was hilarious. See, see, and, and for those who don't realize it's very good for the Cubs that you said no to that, or that deal went away or however it went down. Because then Kyle Hendricks becomes the piece that comes from Texas when you go there. And here we are all these years later, wheels go around and there's Kyle Hendricks. So the day of the deadline, you you were nearby as they're making phone calls. Speakerphone involved even a little bit? I, I was in the, uh, in the offices um, around the corner in a different office uh, just kind of hanging out because um, the, the way the office in the field was, it was kind of far away. So it was, hey, what about this team or what about this team? And I was kind of being a little bit of, you know... A little bit hard nosed on it, and uh, and they said, "What about Texas?" And I was like, "Oh, I'd heard nothing but rave reviews about playing there and being a player there. How they treat you, how they treat your family. Uh, they were in first place." And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And they said, "You know, we we like you know we like what we can get from them." So, um, and then it worked out that twelve starts and it, and uh, Texas got us eleven years of Kyle Hendricks. So oh, wow, it was, good, it was a good trade. Yeah, twelve starts for eleven years, yeah. and then to like you know for me like the truth is when I was sitting here being hundred percent. Yeah, all I ever wanted to do was win a World Series as a player for the Cubs. And, and oh, as, oh, for the Cubs, okay. Yeah, like that's all I ever wanted to do. I, yeah. I wanted it so bad, and then to sit there in Cleveland 
in Game 7 and watch the guy that you get traded for starting and dominating in Game 7 was wow. like one of the, it was like the second like the runner up I couldn't even have dreamed of being. It was so incredible to see somebody who I've developed a friendship with and a bond with to come take your place and do a much better job and lead us to a World Series championship. Wow. It was really cool. That's cool. I hadn't thought about that sense of uh ownership or involvement at least for you with Hendrix's career. Because, of course, you're working with the organization as well as MLB Network. And I know how close Hendricks is with the organization, with Theo and those guys, and how much he loves the research, loves the front office. I know they had him be a part of the U Darvish recruitment, right? And, uh, and, so, and Hendricks, like, if he wants, he, he could end up working in the game. It's a smart guy who gets into it. So it's interesting to think about that whole circle with you and Hendricks right there in the middle of it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And, I, you know, I've, I have a lot of fun with it. I probably, uh, you know drag it through a little bit longer than it needs to be. But, you know, sometimes you get tra- I've been traded and the guys you get traded for, they don't do anything for their organization. And I played nine seasons here. Um, and to leave, uh, knowing you don't want to leave, but I also understand the business side of it. And yeah. then to leave and have the person that comes in uh, and takes your job, like I said, and, and does such a great job at it. And not just like the, his performance on the field, how he is. He's such a pro um, he's, he's a tremendous human being. Um, and just, you know, like you said, he's smart, he's thoughtful and he wants to be a part of something great. And he let, he led us to a, a parade of 5 million people down Michigan Avenue. And, and you couldn't ask for anything more than that. He's Ryan Dempster. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is hit and run on 670. The score callers will get to you textures as well. Keep it right here on the score. It's hit and run back on Sunday mornings with you, taking you up to Cubs free game at about 1235. Change up, swung on and missed. Maybe the best pitch that Hendricks has thrown so far. Strikes out Freeman. We go to the third. Here's the one-two. Swing and a miss, and that's strike three. He strikes out swinging, and that's the first out run here in the bottom of the fourth inning. Welcome back in on 670 to score. It is hit and run on Sunday mornings. Right here on the score, we got Cubs baseball later on. Tyler Kepner from the New York Times is going to join us around 1140. But pleased to have my first guest co-host of the year. It's Ryan Dempster right here in the studio. So I had a conversation with you a few years ago um, in a suite, and there was booze. So I should not talk about the specifics of who we were discussing. (laughs) But it was about a pitcher with really good stuff who never truly put it together. And I think if you look at the totality of this guy's career, it's underwhelming. That said, he made an all-star team, maybe even a couple of times. He threw a no-hitter at one point. Like there's, But it was – he just never quite got there. And that conversation stuck with me because we see guys like this all the time, right? And then, then we see guys like Kyle Hendricks who don't have the stuff that some of these other guys have, and, and yet here they are. So – so that guy that we were talking about, maybe you know who I'm talking about, maybe you don't, but is, is, that a, is that a familiar type that you've run across in terms of pitchers and the bigs that just don't quite put it together? Yeah, uh, lots of times. Um, you know, so many guys that I played with in the minor leagues, uh, spring trainings, way better stuff, way better stuff than I ever had um, or other guys on the team ever had. And, you know, some guys, they never figure it out from a physical standpoint. They mm-hmm. don't figure out how to work hard enough. Um, you know, hey, I'm pitching good, so I'm just going to kind of just like coast for a little bit here. And then all of a sudden, 
Ah, I got soreness. Well, that soreness didn't just pop up. It's because you haven't done anything in six weeks. Ah. You know, and and I think I know who you're talking about with that particular guy. And, you know, I'm comfortable enough because I I know I'm knowing that that's probably been his biggest reason is the ability to truly just own I'm going to work my tail off here. You know, I'm really going to get after this. Um, And then also then the mental side of it to be able to, you know, get through tough times, realize that what's happened is has happened we can't change that ever you know there's been you know uh, unfortunately last year we lost a great man in ken revisa who is our mental skills coordinator um and then i i worked a lot with harvey dorfman as a young player and i really struggled with that early on in my career mm. going out and worrying about my last start or worrying about the last time i faced a team and i'm facing him again that the same same thing's going to happen so and guys can't get past that i came up with a guy a guy named joe fontenot we we threw the same. We both had fastball slider. Heck, we were both redhead. We looked the same. Everything about us was the same. Same age, came up two weeks apart. All he did was, you know, bitch and complain that, hey, you know, we can't, we shouldn't be here. We should be in double A. I'm getting knocked around every game. Like, this is ridiculous. And I just looked at him and I go, yeah, no kidding. I know we're not. We're not supposed to win at all. Every time I take the mound, the odds in Vegas say I lose. This is uh, in Miami? This is in Miami in 1998. And I took it as an approach of like, I'm just going to try and learn as much as I can from everybody. Look around, learn. You know, Maddox would always talk about when you're out those four days in between, that's your chance to go like study for the test. Mm -hmm. See things that you can't normally see when you're out on the mound so that therefore when you get in the game, things get easier. And I think some guys just really struggle with that. It's a, you know, it's 90% of it's between your ears. Everybody's got good stuff. Everybody throws hard. Everybody's got a good breaking ball. All that does is get you drafted and gets you maybe more opportunity. Mm. Stuff. That's all stuff does. And eventually it's like, ah, we got to let him go because he can't throw strikes with that fastball anymore. Like, it, it, so there's, there comes a way. It's either you got you to figure out how to work is super important. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you have, if anybody coming up, I always say to young guys in spring training, I go, you want to learn? You want to learn what to do? Show up at 6 a.m., go to the weight room, and watch the guys in that weight room at 6 a.m. And you know if you come back here next spring training, you know who's going to be in the weight room at 6 a.m.? The same guys. They're not trying to get on the cover of a magazine or in a calendar or sit there and have, like, the best beach body. No, they're there putting work in that it creates a foundation and a base that allows them to go out there and pitch 200 innings. It allows them to fight through Mm. a little bit of shoulder soreness or a little bit of elbow soreness. That I don't need to be shut down for two or three weeks because I'm a little sore. You're a little sore. If you take time off, guess who's coming in? Somebody else. And that's somebody else. And all of a sudden, you're Wally Pip. And you're sitting on the bench and you're never getting another start. So those kind of things, I think, I see a ton of guys throughout the, my career. Mm. I've, I saw it post-career. I see it. Guys who just can't figure it out. And so no matter what you do, they just can't figure it so out. So it's not just, because I was thinking the time before bringing this up, that it was the mental side of preparation and execution and that mental toughness it is, but it's also just simply work ethic. Just yes. like like caring enough about your body to make sure you're strong enough constantly. Yeah, well, and it's easy, right? You're, it's easy to get away from it because of the, of the glory of the job. Like, it's super hard. Baseball's tough. You're away from your family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a grinding season. It's 162 games in like 185 days. You don't get many true full day offs. It's a lot. You deal with a lot. You deal with media. You deal with fans. You deal with a lot of things. But it's also great. You got first class accommodations. You travel in style. You got spreads out the wazoo. You got a, 
You know what I'm saying? You walk in that clubhouse, you're feeling good. Uh-huh, that's it's okay. really easy to get complacent and be like, I'm good. Look what I got. You know, I'm going to throw back this protein shake. I'm not going to work out, but I'm going to crush the protein shake. <laughs> so it's, you know, to get that balance and truly understand why are you there because of hard work and yeah. how do you stay there? Anybody can get there. How do you stay there? And that's outworking the guy next to you. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The playoff bound Chicago Wolves are home today at four, and the Wolves look to clinch their third straight division title. Celebrate the 25th anniversary season with free parking, courtesy of Kia, and discounted concessions. Visit ChicagoWolves.com. So 2008, um, you are, you're coming off three years in which you saved 85 games for the Cubs, and then you get sent back to the rotation, uh, and Kerry Wood becomes the closer. And I don't know if it was definitively that clearly, like, this is what we're doing or whether it was competition or whatever. But in reading about you from that year, you worked out like crazy. You worked your ass off that off season before 2008, living out in Colorado, right? Because yep. I, I was reading about you, um, you wake up at 7 a.m. and run up the rows of Red Rocks. The Red Rocks Amphitheater. Is that a true story? Yeah. Run, running up and down those rows at seven in the morning in that off season. Yeah, we would put like medicine balls like halfway up, and then so run halfway up, do a bunch of medicine ball tosses, and then run the rest of the way up. And I I knew going. I'd started my whole life, so I knew the requirements of what it physically took to be able to go out there and start. And then when you get into the bullpen, while you're still working hard, it's a little bit different because you you have to be ready to pitch every day. Mm. So. Going back into the rotation and knowing that the, that what that was going to try to do to my arm, I knew I had to create a foundation. And I say foundation, meaning my lower half, my legs, my core, as strong as I possibly could to sustain going back in the rotation and having success. So, yeah, we, we got after it. And, and like my trainer and I just like I, I, I was relentless, like bothering them. Like, it's Sunday. Take a day off. I don't care. Let's go. You know, and, and it really, really paid huge benefits because, you know, I was able to come back. After all that, you know, Tommy John and all those things and go throw 200 innings and and, um, and and settle myself back into rotation. So there's something about, you know, I'd always get this one. Well, you don't run the ball to home plate. You know, cool. I get that. Yeah, like, why you run so much? You know, you don't you don't run a slider up there. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Who's, whose voice is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's probably some pitching coach I had somewhere. Uh, but but the, Brad the, Arnsberg. Yeah, yeah, oh, I love Arnie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, so that's in Florida. Yeah. I, I want that. I always think about those early days for you in Florida because it was like Beckett, like Josh Beckett, and was Rob Nen, Brad Penny, Brad Penny, AJ Burnett. Yeah, we had we had, we had quite a few guys. Lavon Hernandez at a young age. He was fresh off the '97 season. Dontrell Willis. Dontrell Willis was just after me, so he came up in '03. Carl Pavano. No. Carl Pavano '03. Okay. Yeah. And um what a way a wave of young guys. Unbelievable. Braden yeah. Looper. Braden Looper. Did Braden Looper have like weird nipple rings that were like connected Those, by a that chain? was AJ Burnett. Oh, that was AJ Burnett. Yeah, he took him out when he pitched though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well took the chain out. <laughs> he, did, yeah, he okay. kept the nipple rings in. He kept in. the rings in but took out the chain. Yeah. That seems wise. It's a deception move. Yeah. <laughs> which which t- <laughs> tended to work a lot. Um, he, no, should, but, he should have pitched with the shirt off, or at least the shirt open, and people would just check that out. Hitters would get lost there in his right? chest. Just, just one just hanging out. He loved Marilyn Manson, too. Like, of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. But yeah, the working hard part is it's important. And the reason I was talking about the running is, listen, when you're all of a sudden in the sixth inning and you got runners on first and second, at least back when I played, yeah. 
um, you had to grind and you had to figure out a way to make a pitch when you're tired. And to me, that's what all the hard work is, is when I'm tired, it's easy to make pitches when I'm going one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And all of a sudden I got the bases loaded and I'm uh-huh. sweaty and it's August and it's hot. Hey, you know what? I've prepared for this. How did I do that? By running Red Rocks. So that, that's how I always looked about it. All those moments that you're working out in the off season mm-hmm. are just moments that are going to be in the game from a pure physical standpoint. There's a million different ways to go off that as I'm listening to Ryan Dempster. It's Hit and Run. Uh, Matt Spiegel with you, and my co-host is Ryan Dempster this week on 670 The Score. Um, it, it, we could talk about how, yeah, back in your day, it was the seventh inning or the eighth inning or that kind of thing. I guess pitchers still have those moments. It's just now in the sixth or sometimes in the fifth. I, I, I've been wondering all off season how this kind of like this mandate for urgency, or at least taking the games seriously, how this was going to manifest in the managing from day to day of Joe Madden. Does it mean that we're going to see more runners in motion as he tries to make more things happen? Um, does it mean that he's going to be a little bit more aggressive and leaning on the starters and not worrying about saving quite so many bullets? Like, hey, if I, if I got to get six innings or seven innings out of this guy, I'll lean on him. Um, do you have any, any inclination as to what, what Joe might be doing differently as to, as to befit that kind of urgency that, that the front office has called for? Um, no, I, I think from a statistical standpoint and, and you know using that stuff, I don't think you know, Joe's always kind of been ahead of the game on that. You know, he's talked about it a lot. Like, it's not a razor's edge. It's a laser's edge. It's that fine sometimes between winning and losing. So mm-hmm. he's always been a guy that's, you know, used the numbers and played with those. I think, too, even just being more hands-on. Sometimes managers, you know, as you tend to kind of get your clout or, your, you know, your tenure in the league, you rely on your coaches a lot, which you should. You're running a, you know... Tom hires Theo. Theo hires Joe. And it goes down the order. And, yeah, you have, you know you have unity and you have cohesiveness and you have discussion, but at the same time you hire somebody to do a job. And so you have a hitting coach and then you have a pitching coach and you rely on those guys. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's just getting back to like, I'm going to be in there for the hitters meeting and I'm going to talk a little bit about what I want as a manager. You know, I think sometimes Joe does a really good job of that, of talking with those guys and and having that understanding and just be like, Hey, you know, like I know we're doing this, but Mm -hmm. I would like to see more of this. And sometimes that can really, resonate and really help just because you have an understanding of you know what your jefe wants what you, what's your boss want in this moment right here so mm-hmm. um yeah the statistics stuff i think joe's going to do what joe does with the statistics and you know there uh he, he seems to have worked for him so far at averaging 95 wins and winning a world series and going to nlcs's so yeah so so yeah so the overall the mindset of being more active and being more involved i guess from a game to game i i feel like i want to see I want to see the starters get leaned on because that's where the money is. Those guys are better. We know the bullpen is an issue, obviously, right now. I want to see those guys get leaned on. Should they be leaned on more? Can most of them are 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 strong and 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 tough and have been horses at different times in their lives? Should he be leaning on them more? Yeah, I think all all pitchers across the league should be leaned on more. We've we've somehow we've come to this conclusion that a hundred pitches is now like you're going to get hurt if you throw more than 100 pitches. So we're creating that, right? We're saying that. So now we don't let anybody throw over 100 pitches. So now one day when he's pitching really good, we let him throw 117, and then all of a sudden he's sore because he hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. It's like a marathon runner that you only let him run half half marathons, and then one day you're just like, go run it. And then he's like, man, my hamstrings are really sore. I you wonder know? how that happened. And so, you know, for years and years and years, 
Fergie Jenkins was throwing 250 to 280 innings a year, but he only did it for 20 years. You know, now with these kids, they play specialized sports. They're baseball all year. They play nonstop. Their arms, I don't know if their arms can't take it or what, but I think the human body is this amazing thing. That The arm is this amazing thing that if you train it to throw more than 100 pitches, it can do it, and it can be successful. Not every time. Some days you can go through the lineup six times, this whole three times through the lineup. Some days you can go through it five or six times. You mow through guys. Some days you're crossing your fingers, you can get through it once. Yeah. And that's the truth. So the the litmus test of your eyes is still the number one thing over any data that you're ever going to have because, you know, hey, this guy's got a slider bat. You know, you don't want to throw sliders or he hits breaking balls really well. Cool. Not my breaking ball, you know, <laughs> and like – Maybe maybe we just find out. Like That's what I understand about all the data, too, is you start out a game. This is why I love Josh Hader in, in Milwaukee, what he's doing. He's throwing a fastball. I'm going to throw you a fastball. Hit it. Can't hit it? I'm going to throw you another one. Can't hit it? I'm going to throw you another one. We don't know what that guy did the night before up at the plate. We don't know if he stayed up playing video games till 6 a.m. We don't know if he had a fight with his brother. We don't know if he was out drinking all night. We don't know if he tossed and turned in his bed. Maybe he's, you know, struggling right now. Whatever it is on a mental side. So let, let's just find out today. Oh, you took a good swing. Now I'm going to throw you something else. And this is just from personal experience. I learned from that early on. I struggled with that. Fastball, and then I'm going to throw you a slider, and I threw you the kitchen sink first at bat, and now all of a sudden i got to face you in the sixth inning with the bases loaded, and you're like, seen all your pitches. Go ahead. Come on. Guys around the league who are really dominant, if you look at it, most of them are really dominant because they challenge you with fastballs. Mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. Sure, do they have plus fastballs? Yeah, but they have plus fastballs because they throw it. To be successful in the big leagues, you got to be able to throw a fastball in a fastball count. And they do that. And they do that. They attack you. They come right after you. You might have three at-bats and all you see is fastballs because they see that you can't hit it that day. And I think with starting pitching, lean on them, get them throwing deeper into games, and just use your eyes, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, I, I've been hogging Ryan Dempster. The listeners are, are angry. Spiegel, stop talking to your co-host. He's a co-host. That means he talks to listeners, too, right, Eli? I know. Um, the, the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Campland RV. It's Campland RV's huge tent event from April 5th through the 14th. Find great deals just in time for camping season. Go to CamplandRV.com for details. Campland RV, RV buying made easy, just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. I got a million things for Ryan Dempster, but so do you. So we'll continue on Hit and Run, and we'll let you in. Fine. On 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is Hit and Run Sunday mornings from 9 until... Cubs, almost always, with me, Matt Spiegel, different guest co-host every week. Ryan Dempster is here. Joe Madden, Tuesdays at noon, as he has been for several years on The Score. That's with Lawrence Holmes this year. So this Tuesday at noon, Joe with Lawrence. Theo's going to be on with McNeil and Parkins. That's at 2 p.m. this Thursday. Yeah, whatever. They can talk to him. I've, I've played guitar with the man. Um, this score will be broadcasting live from 5 a.m. till Cubs pregame tomorrow. That's at 1245 at Country Club Bar, 3462 North Clark Street in Chicago. Uh, Ryan Dempster, I've never played music with you, but we sang harmonies together on the side of the stage at the Metro when Kelly Hogan and her bandmates were doing, what, was it, what Eagles tune was it? Uh, take it to take the it, limit. Take it to the limit. Take yeah. it to the limit. You sounded good. Thanks. I, I can harmonize. Don't let me. Don't let me ever steal lead vocals ever. What, what's different? What's different about it? I don't know. I th- I got to get comfortable. Sometimes I yell. 
<laughs> when I'm singing, you know, so I've yeah. learned, uh, I have a new baby now. So now I learned to karaoke downstairs a lot quieter. So uh, okay. my voice will get better. There you go. Know. Yeah. But I was like, man, he's holding his own on the harmony there. <laughs> this is impressive, which is more impressive. But I feel you on the lead vocal. You're like, I need to give it more excitement, yeah. more drama. And then he starts <laughs> screaming in the mic. Karaoke. I will prescribe some karaoke. Uh, this is Tommy on the North side. Thanks for being patient callers. You're on hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel and him, Ryan Dempster. What's up, Tommy? Hey, guys. Uh, Matt, I love your show. Ryan, thanks for uh, what you've done for the Cubs. Um, look, uh, obviously the bullpen's struggling, and uh, there are some guys that have some mental things going on. My question is, obviously you probably had some times in your career where you were struggling. What do you do to get out of that funk? Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard sometimes because uh, you got you got to really stay positive and, and really truly realize that the only thing you can control is that this pitch right now. And uh, we, you, you quickly fall. The minute all of a sudden something happens, a guy gets a base hit or you walk somebody, you start going down that rabbit hole again. So the, the best thing you can do is, is try your hardest, you know, whether that's visualizing or taking a mental break somewhere, getting in a, in a dark room and just telling yourself over and over, I control this pitch, that's it. Because ultimately that's all you can, can do hmm. is, is you can't. Unless you're fielding the ball back to you or you're covering first base, the rest is irrelevant. You know, guy makes an error at shortstop. He's not trying to. Right. And there's nothing you can do about it. Umpire says ball and you know, it's a strike. Great. I can get frustrated. I did. I know how it goes. It was my biggest struggle in my career was to control that emotion. Hmm. Um, so yeah, when you're in those moments, you know, you just got to stay positive and just reinforce those positive moments that, you know, I always like to think that you're always one pitch away of getting out of anything. So you could be you could walk three guys in a row with one out and nobody on, and you make one pitch and get a double play ball, and it can change the course of your entire season just by that moment right there. So just having that attitude. Well, that's that's that not not everybody can do that. I was scrolling back through the texts um, at at the break there, and somebody regarding the conversation we were having about the pitcher who just never quite put it together, even though he had the stuff. The texter says, "Say his name, Zambrano." Carl. <laughs> 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 That was not who I was talking about, ironically yeah. enough. But Zambrano, man, I was I was here covering and talking about Zambrano, and I, 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 it's just the anger. What you're talking about, somebody would make an error, and he would turn around and get all pissed off, and then he wasn't focused on the next batter. And I'm like, oh, man. And that was, yeah, obviously there was punching of, of soda machines and stuff like that. But Well, when you don't have diet soda in the soda machine, then what's going to happen? <laughs> Deserved? Yeah. You're saying the soda machine was asking for like, it? Like, that was a great idea. Whoever thought putting... A fountain soda machine in our dugout was a good idea. Yeah, not not a good idea. Oh, but 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 Z, man, if Z could have controlled that anger a little bit, it might have might have might have been an even better career. It was still a pretty good career. Yes, a hundred percent. It was probably, and if you ask him, mm-hmm. like, and I'm not sitting here talking behind his back because if you ask him, he would say the same thing. That was his biggest downfall because when he was going good, it, nothing bothered him. And he'd mow through people. We saw it with a no-hitter in Milwaukee and his yeah. unhittable stuff at times. And um, his athletic ability, he was one of the best athletes I'd ever been around. I mean, I watched him hit a home run, you know, in straightaway center field above the Budweiser area, right-handed in batting practice, and then flip around the next pitch and hit it in the same spot left-handed. You know, he could dunk a basketball standing underneath a hoop, standing from two feet and just jump up, two-hand dunk. Wow. He could play tight end in the NFL if he wanted to. He was that talented. Um, but he just really, really struggled with with failure. 
So the minute things started to steamroll on him, it was somebody else's fault, and he started to get angry about it. And then he, it was hard to control him. It was hard to, to get him to to rein back in. You know, to understand, hey, I gave up three in the first. Cool, let's win the game four to three. Hmm. Sometimes for him, that led to I'm just going to give up six and look at like I'm mad out here and I don't care. So um, I I love Z. He was you know for four days. He was a great teammate. He was a great dude. He always was trying to do stuff. And then sometimes Big Z showed up and you just didn't know what you were going to get. But sometimes you got some pretty spectacular stuff. And, you know, if he had maybe worked, I, I think with him, if he had maybe worked a little bit harder yeah, um, from the beginning and, and not just relied on his natural talent, you could have saw somebody who could possibly, you know, be talked about for the Hall of Fame because his his stuff and dominance was that was that good. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that um that he's willing to to admit it because we all got to be self aware and look at ourselves and see what whatever it was. And he was forced into some anger management therapy later on in the career. But I remember him talking about that. I was like, all right, he's paying attention. He clearly realizes it's it's a thing. It's an yeah. issue here. Oh, and then he, you know, what he's done for people that people probably don't even know about the things he's done away, um, helping out with churches and. Um, I, I think he's a, a, a minister himself now, um, uh, wow. and he's really like uh, gone above and beyond um, from like a humanity standpoint to try and help people out, and I think it's pretty cool. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a future guest co-host here on, yep, on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Write it down, Eli. No problem. After this one, I'm sure everybody's going to be dying to do it. This is Crawley on the north side. Crawley, you're on with me, Speaks, and him, Ryan Dempster. What's going on? Going good, guys. Um, Demp, you know, I remember the 2007, right before the 2007 season, you guys, you know, you got Lou Pinella and Soriano, and there's a lot of expectations, and you guys kind of came really slow out of the gate, kind of like the Cubs are doing right now. Uh, what's the feeling like in a clubhouse when the expectations are there, but you're not meeting those expectations? And, Ryan, I'm really hoping that we can get you over to Club 400 with Sut, like we talked about. So if you could, Katie, talk a little bit about what it's like to not meet those expectations right away. Yeah, I, I, 2007, we were definitely not meeting those expectations. Um, and then I remember uh, it actually kind of turned around when Lou Chuck base at third base, kicked dirt all over Mark Wagner, the third base umpire. Um, and provided a little bit of a spark. And and I don't know if that moment was the moment that we needed. I don't know if we were already on our way there, but sometimes too, got to remember this, they got a bunch, they got some new guys. There's becoming a team, no matter who you are, if it's one new guy on the team, you can have 24 guys from last year. You got one new guy. It's creating an, you know, an atmosphere and getting to know each other and, and kind of, um, figuring out who you are as a ball club. And, um, sometimes you, you have lulls in the middle of the season where you know you got to get it together, and sometimes you have them at the end, and sometimes you have them at the beginning. And th- that's probably the best part is having them at the beginning because you have time. There's nothing worse than faltering down the stretch like we did in 04. Um, you know, like that, that was really tough. And so, um, you know, you just got to continue to push forward just today. That's it. What can I do today? And that's what those guys are doing. You know, I talked to Riz yesterday. They're in a good spot, as as people probably don't want to hear as a one in six team yesterday. But he's like, "Hey, we're working hard. We're ready to go. It's just not working out, and we're going to keep doing that. We're not going to panic." And and I think that's important. You know, when you are trying to kind of turn things around, when you're when you're not living up to your own expectations, that's all you can you can control is your own expectations. And I think. Just focus on today's game. That's it. You got a one o'clock game today in in Milwaukee, and go out there and win that. And all the other white noise, you just ignore that and just focus on the here and now. We'll uh, we'll stay on the current Cubs as conversation when we come back a little bit. Um, 
because Rizzo is just, it, there, there's some stuff that he does that is just, I want everybody to do it. I want everybody on that team to do it. So we'll talk about that, among other things. And also, uh, John Smoltz plays accordion. I want to know what Ryan Dempster is doing around the MLB Network hallways to stand out. Because it's, I, I have some guesses, but we'll find out. We'll do that next. It's Hit and Run. Matt Spiegel here with you. Ryan Dempster sitting in on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.